0: Hello, my beautiful boons, and welcome to the episode of today. So for today's episode, I thought that I would make this all about life advice to get you through the week. I'm going to be giving advice from people's questions that people have sent through on all sorts of things about dealing with, you know, narcissistic parents, dealing with painful people, um, dealing with how to move on from a heartbreak that's absolutely you know, ruining your life and you literally cannot spend 10 minutes outside of the house without feeling like you're going to break down, all sorts of things. And I've just had so many question requests sent through that I feel I wanted to dedicate an entire episode to life advice to get you through the week. So that is what this episode is going to be. Now, no point doing a listener question at the end of the episode because these are all going to be requests sent through, um, through to my email for questions. So I will be answering them throughout the podcast. If I have time at the end of the episode, I will do a brain fact, but I just kind of wanted to dive straight into it because I did want to get through a whole bunch. And I would highly recommend that if you start listening to a question and you think, oh, that's not me, maybe still listen to it because you might have a friend that might gain something from it, or you might find that there's certain things within that story that do apply to you in some way shape or form even if not directly and you might be able to gain something from that as well so without further ado let's get into the episode of today the first one hi Alexis thank you so much for your words of wisdom and knowledge I love how you deliver them with honesty and no bs it's just my vibe thanks Dean um I am still working my way through your episodes and have listened to your episodes about toxic people and narcissists as well as self-love and anything around the subject on repeat. I was wondering if you could help me in a rather different situation to others. I grew up the oldest and only I grew up the oldest and only girl of four children. My mum is an alcoholic who used to get angry when drinking, and my dad is a recovering cannabis smoker. The drug would make him paranoid, and that, with the mix of him being adopted and having ADHD, caused him to be extremely unpredictable and highly depending on the lives of his children, despite a lot of rage display around us. As an adult, I chose to distance myself from both my parents from the age of 16 and have had years of therapy. I've been diagnosed with OCD and anxiety. I'd finally worked through my anger towards them. And what I went through as a child and young adult when my youngest brother was in a horrific traffic collision and sustained life-changing injuries and is now on life support up in the north of England. Firstly, I'm so, so sorry to hear that. I now live in London, but I am originally from a town an hour's drive from the hospital he is staying at. I'm extremely protective of my brothers and carry guilt I have tried to work through of leaving them with our parents. As soon as I heard about my brother's accident, I got up north and I'm now by his side every day. Unfortunately, this also means I have to spend every day with my parents again and it has taken me back to a lot of painful behaviours and memories. I was wondering how I could manage the trauma of seeing my brother in this state and supporting him emotionally while being around those toxic parents, ones who, believe, who I believe to be narcissists. Sorry, one who I believe to be a narcissist. My support network is all in London and I feel utterly alone here. Thanks for taking the time to read this, Alexis. Okay. There's so much going on here for you. I'm so, so sorry that you've had to go through this and then you're exposed to being around your parents when you had done so much work to get to where you were and you feel that you've kind of gone back on a few things. I just wanted to answer one thing or talk about two things before I talk about the rest of it. You say that you've carried this guilt that you've tried to work through of leaving your brothers with your parents. Just know that I'm sure you have a great relationship with your brothers. Obviously you do. You know, you're there by your brother's side every single day. But I am sure that if you saw that your brother got to leave when it was causing them so much pain being there and they got out of it and it was doing them a world of good, you would be happy for them. And I feel that you could apply that to your brothers. I know for a fact that if your brothers love you, then they knew that that was the best thing for you and they would want the best for you. That's what people who love each other do. And while it's it would have been difficult for them to stay, it doesn't mean that they don't want the best for you, even if it's hard to see you leave. So just like we want the best for our for the people that we love in our life, understand that the people that love you also do want the best for you. So don't feel that you, you know, have this guilt and that you've done them wrong because you also own your own life and you are entitled to live your own life. Okay. And you clearly have been there for your siblings in an emotional way. So try to remind yourself of that when you start to feel guilty. Another thing is you asked how you could, you know, be supporting him emotionally. You already are you're being there every single day. That's a huge emotional support. So you're, you're doing everything that I think you're, you're worried that you might not be doing, you are already doing. So you have to just be a little bit kinder to yourself and realise that you've, you are being an amazing support just by physically being there. That means so much more to, to other people than, than, you know, sometimes you give yourself credit for. Now when it comes to dealing with your parents, this is – Obviously, a situation where you physically cannot avoid them, and there's going to be situations that are absolutely inevitable when they're going to do things that are going to trigger painful things from the past and make you feel com- like crazy anxiety, completely heightened. It's going to make the situation so much worse. I guess one of the things that you could be doing, without having much insight into what the conversations or what these encounters are like, one of the things that you know you could be focusing on is whenever possible, not engaging and not letting someone start a conversation where you know, a conversation that you don't want to go down. It's a lot easier to not engage than it is to pull out of something where it's already heightened. So whenever possible, try your best because also for you to say, I'm not going to engage, I'm not going to do this. If someone's a narcissist, they're not going to see the wrong that they've done so they're likely going to play the victim and try and spin it on you. So instead of trying to justify it, because that's what I'd probably recommend in a healthy, normal situation where there's an issue, instead of trying to explain to the person what the issue is, I would just not engage. And I would find ways to change the topic or to walk out of the room and just remove yourself from situations where, you know, keep everything surface level. Because unfortunately for your parents, they have uninvited themselves from having access to the, the deeper parts of you and your life. And that includes debates, deep conversations, all of the above. So keep it surface level whenever possible and, you know, remind yourself that they don't have access to the parts of you that you don't want them to have access to. And that includes your mental health. Another thing is lean on your support network in London. There are going to be people that want to be there for you, but just don't know how to be there for you. So sometimes it just takes a phone call. You know, sometimes people don't know how to support their friends, especially when they're going through something that they can't even fathom. And what you're going through is something very unfathomable for a lot of people. So sometimes just you picking up the phone and saying, I just need someone to talk to, they will do the rest. You know, people want to support their friends, but often are a bit baffled. They don't know how. So lean on that support network and whenever possible, try having a phone call every day, even if it's with, you know, a different person or it could be the same person. People want to help people. Just like if you knew that your best friend was going through what you are going through, you would so desperately want to be their shoulder to cry and you would want to be their support. You would want to be the person that maybe distracts them and tells them a funny story. Really lean into that support group and call them, pick up the phone and call. You will feel so much lighter if you do that at the end of every day. And these people, I can guarantee you, people who love you want so desperately to be there for you and they want to help you through your hour of need. So this is the time to lean on these people. Okay. Hopefully that was helpful and I'm so sorry that you were going through that and I'm sending all my thoughts and my love to your brother. All right, second listener question. Hi, Alexis. I love your show. I have been with my boyfriend for nine years. We are good together and have a great relationship based on trust. However, I have never been able to shake the thoughts of what if when it comes to my life. I have never shaken the fantasy of what my life could be like with someone else. Does this make me a bad person? Does it mean it's not true love? Am I stringing him along? Am I settling? Or am I just afraid of being alone? Help. Okay, this is a great, great question because I am sure that there are so many people listening who are in the exact same position as you. And another thing that's probably playing on your mind is the fact that it has been nine years. So you're thinking, for fuck's sake, I should be be sure by this point, right? Now, something that you've got to look at is, is is there a possibility that there's other aspects of your life that you would want changed and it's not dependent on your partner leaving you? For example, there are certain things in your life. Okay. I've got a good friend, very good friend of mine. I can say her name, Lizzie. She was living in Brisbane with her partner and Lizzie's always been, she's actually been on this podcast as a guest. Liz has always been like a, a very free spirit. She talks about the story on her podcast. She's, you know, lived in London for years, she lived in Amsterdam, she was in Melbourne. I met her in Brisbane working at Red Bull. Now she then she moved back to Brisbane. Now she's in Sydney. And she's got this awesome partner, right? But she was always in this position of like I just don't want to be in Brisbane. I need to live in Sydney. And at the time it wasn't possible for her partner to be moving down to Sydney. It was for work reasons, all this stuff. But the point was that if she was going to move to Sydney, it was going to be without him. And I think there were moments in her mind that she thought this is going to break the relationship if I go, but if I stay, I'm always going to be wondering. So she pitched it to him. They're they're great communicators, the two of them. And What ended up happening was that in like June last year, she moved down to Sydney without him, but they stayed together and she thought, I just don't know if this is going to work. I just don't know what this is going to do to to the relationship. And her partner was thinking the same thing, but he kind of thought, well, I'm just going to fucking roll with it because – there's, there's two options. One, roll with it and see how it goes. Or two, be like, you can't leave me. And if you leave me, we break up. And he didn't want to do that. Neither of them wanted to break up. But she's like, I need to do this for myself. And he's like, I know you do. I know you need to do this for yourself. And I don't want you sitting in a city that you don't want to be living in suffocating just because you're with me. And that's then going to ruin our relationship anyway. So she moved. And then six months later, it just so happened that everything aligned and he got a great job down in Sydney and he moved down and their relationship is better than ever. And then these doubts that she was having was more so around the life that she wanted to live and it wasn't around him. So that's an example of what I mean by, is there a chance that some of these questions are around, do you want to live this life, but maybe you just haven't pitched it to your partner. Maybe you haven't said, look, there's all these things in my life that are non-negotiable that I really want to experience, that I really want to tick off are you able to come for the ride with me on some of these things? Or if you can't come from the ride with me, are you open to me doing a bunch of these things on my own? Because I don't know what it is that you want to do and I don't know what, what this life is that you picture. Now, that's one thing to consider, you know, have that conversation with him or not. Another thing to consider is when you look at your life and you think, what could my life be like with someone else? How many times are you thinking, What could my life be like with someone else versus what could my life be like if there was nothing holding me back or holding me down? How many of those thoughts are specifically around being with someone else and how many are specifically around you just living your life? Because if every one of those thoughts of what could my life be like dot, dot, dot is finished with if I was with somebody else, then maybe, maybe that is your answer. Maybe there is this indicator that there's just, you're just not getting enough out of the relationship or from him. You have to really look at also what is it that you're craving with somebody else that causes you to have these thoughts? Because they're not just going to spontaneously come up out of nowhere. Normally, these thoughts come because you are feeling, you're craving something, whether that be excitement, whether that be someone who's more passionate, whether that be someone who's maybe more of your rock, someone who's more emotionally open, someone who's more whatever- that you're not getting some need that's not being met within your own relationship. So that's normally where it's going to stem from. So it might highlight what do I feel like I'm lacking and when I imagine myself with somebody else, what are the things that I'm imagining? What narratives, what, what movies are being played in my head that I'm imagining happening that makes me want to wonder about what's there on the other side, you know, does it make you a bad person? Absolutely not. It does not make you a bad person. We're all human. We have emotions. We have needs that need to be met. And we, you know, if if we feel that we're missing something, especially after nine years, we're going. To, our minds are going to wander, and that is absolutely normal and healthy. Don't worry about that. It doesn't make you a bad person. Does it mean it's not true love? Not, necess- not necessarily. I'm going to answer that in one sec. Are you stringing him along? Are you settling? I don't think it's necessarily a yes or no answer for this. Another thing that you need to ask yourself, and I'm not saying this is the case, but you need to ask yourself, are you somebody who often thinks that the grass is greener on the other side? I know a lot of people that have this idea of the grass is greener on the other side, but they're never watering the grass in their own yard. You know, what would your life... And and this is just me speculating because, again, I don't have much detail at all, but... Pretending that you are somebody that thinks the grass is greener on the other side, if that is a possibility. What would your relationship look like if you were fully invested? If you were like, right, I'm going to absolutely give the next six months my all with this person. They, The grass is fucking greener on my side of the fence. It is my partner. I'm, we're going to, you know... I'm going to do things daily to make him feel fucking loved. I'm going to remind him of the things that when he does that, it makes me feel loved and that way he feels more encouraged to do the same. We're going to be the most romantic we've ever been. We're going to be bang, 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 all the things. Give it a red hot go for, you know, six months or however long. I, do, I mean, ideally you don't want a timeframe in your head, ideally, but kind of have this idea that for the foreseeable future, I'm going to be like really giving it my all. This person is you know, where I'm going to put all my time and energy into. And then when you do that, sometimes you'll realize, holy shit, when I started watering this thing, it gave me everything I wanted and more. Sometimes people become a little bit complacent in a relationship. And then of course your mind's going to wonder, because you're like, I'm fucking, you're lovely, but I'm a bit bored here. You know, of course my fucking mind's going to wonder, I'm human. But instead think, okay, I'm a bit bored, but we can turn this thing around and we can make it exciting again. We can be each other's fucking person and our sounding board and the person we go on adventures with and we can also be independent. I can encourage him to do things more independently that's going to make me more turned on because I'm, he's fucking doing his own thing and then I'm going to go and do my own thing as well and then we come together for those epic moments. you know. And then if you really focus on that, what do you think, would you still feel the same way? Because if you still felt the same way, then I would say it's probably not true love. If you still give it your all and you're fucking watering the grass and you are really just, this is my fucking, you know, you're in that headspace, you're not looking at the grass is greener on the other side, oh, I'm paying attention to other things, I'm too scattered, I'm not, you know, really grateful for what I've got. If you've given it your all you've gone a hundred percent, you've gone all in and you're still like, no, I can't. I'm still having these thoughts. Then maybe it's not true love because nine years is a long time. And it's a long time to be with someone who's not your person, but it's also a long enough time that it might kind of start to get a little bit boring and complacent after a while. And sometimes it takes two people being like aware of that thing happening and then snapping into it and being like, "All right." Let's, let's fucking shake this up and make it what we want it to be because we're capable, we love each other, we know each other's history, we fucking trust each other. You said you've got a great relationship based on trust. That's awesome. Now, if you trust someone, it allows the relationship to fucking blossom because that's when you really become two independent people that are in a relationship because they want to be together, okay? So I would advise you to try that and see how you feel. And also try this, you know, because again, I don't have insight into exactly your story, but also look into maybe there's still things that you can do that you think you can't do because you're in a relationship, but in reality, you can do it. The rules for your relationship are the rules that you and your partner set for yourself. They're not rules that other people set. People are welcome to set their own rules for their own relationships, but don't think, oh, but that's not really done or I don't really know. As long as the two of you come to the middle and agree on something, that is the rules of the relationship that you follow. So if you want to go on this adventure, if you want to go do this thing, if whatever, it's fine as long as you both come to the table and discuss it and talk about it. All right, next one. Hi, Alexis. Thank you for sharing so much wisdom and encouragement. Cannot get enough of you. I'm navigating dating again after a very toxic marriage to an actual narcissist and I'm growing and caring for myself much better than before. Thank you. I've been in a relationship for about six months, taking things slowly and keeping a close eye out for old patterns or red flags. My partner is super thoughtful, generous, kind, affectionate, but I'm noticing that he is also showing some codependent traits. He's very much a fixer-helper type, a little insecure, worried that small things will make me not like him anymore and he seems to seize up or panic when I get emotional. Even if I have tears of joys in my eyes, I can tell he's uneasy. I'm wondering if these codependent traits are reason enough to pull the pin on the relationship or if it's worth trying to work through them. I don't want to let my past scare me away from a potentially healthy, loving relationship, but also don't need to set myself up for more heartache and trauma with an unavailable partner. Thanks a million for all that you do and share. You've played a huge role in helping me grow stronger and more confident. I adore you and I'm so grateful to have found DYFM. Thank you. Great question. Okay. Firstly... You have to ask yourself, have I even raised this with him? And would I feel comfortable raising it with him? Because I always think that if you've got good foundations with somebody, like you said, this person is super thoughtful, generous, kind, affectionate. So there's a lot of good, obviously, in this person, a lot. So if there's good bones to the relationship, I always think it's worth trying before pulling the pin. Absolutely. And not only is it good for the relationship, but you're going to learn a lot by reaching out and really trying to make this work. Even if the relationship is not the one for you, if it's just not right, if it's just something that's going to, you know, if if this person is always going to be unavailable and that's not something you're willing to put up with, it will still benefit you a lot to try and work through something with someone, whether it works or whether it doesn't. So my advice would be, I would it's 100% worth trying to work through them with him. Now, obviously there's insecurities and that's what's getting him panicked and seized up or whatever. If I were you, number one, I would always, you always raise this, not when they are in a state of feeling uneasy or when they're panicked, but always broach the topic when you are in a good mood. And this is really difficult to do because a lot of people think, oh, but we're going through, this is such a nice day. I'm not going to fucking ruin this morning by being like, so back to the fucking time where, you know, I noticed that you are uneasy, but unfortunately that is the best time to raise it when you're both calm, when you're happy with each other, because when you raise things, when someone's got their walls up, what's going to happen, they're going to feel more attacked and their walls are going to come even further up and you, 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 fail to get a good insight into their true emotions and what they're feeling. So it's really good to come together. Now, if you want, this is something that I heard that someone does recently and it's really, really cool, but it's this idea of you have, why don't you pitch to him and say, listen, I really like you. You're a fucking legend. I want to work through the little things in the relationship that need working on now at the early stages so we can continue to really grow in the – in." the most healthy way possible for our relationship. So I propose that one night a week, we go over a couple of, you know, we go over what we thought could do with working on what, what went really well for us, what we tackled really well together, where we could learn from. And we do that one night a week, whether it be like you pick, you know, a Wednesday night, okay. You sit down over dinner and you, don't, and you always make time for each other for this night. Even if the night has to shift, you always have that one night in the week where you sit down and you think, all right, how did you think it went? And what I think is a really good thing to do is obviously make it like a safe space to talk. But if your partner feels like – if you think that they're the ones that always feel like insecure or whatever, always invite them to talk first and see how they feel. They might be like, oh, I'm uncomfortable, maybe you talk first. Then you can talk about certain things, but it's, it's – a You always have to preface that night with this is for both of us to grow. It's not about someone being right and someone being wrong. This is so we have a better insight into each other's, you know, understanding. If you find that it is impossible to get him to open up and talk and he seizes up and he panics every time and there's just no getting through that, then I would offer to go to 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 see a a couples therapist so you've got someone who's guiding the conversation because if you can't do it the two of you and there's just no way of getting through I would then after I've exhausted that I would then offer couples therapy if he is not willing to go to couples therapy then you have your answer in the fact that he is going to be emotionally unavailable and then do with that information what you will but if someone's not willing to do it in privacy with you nor with a professional and they're just going to close up close up close up then it there's not much you can do. There's only, you can lead someone to water, but you can't make them drink, okay? So that would be my suggestion. But it seems like he's affectionate, generous, thoughtful, kind. You know, you, there's so many nice things you have said. You just don't want to throw in the towel straight away. Give it a, give it a chance. But also you have, to, you have to remind yourself of how far you've come and remind yourself that you can't revert backwards just because someone's nice to you. So that would be my recommendation for you. All right, next one. Hey Alexis, I cannot tell you how much your podcast has changed my life. So much wisdom squeezed into every episode. I've sent them to many of my friends by now. So expect some new beans to spring up around the UK. That's fucking awesome. I love that. Okay. I have a problem that I'd love your take on. I have an anxious avoidant attachment style, which seems to play up in all my relationships. The typical pattern is that I start seeing a guy, Everything's going amazingly, we're both really into each other and then I get a vague hint of their feelings dampening or changing and I freak out. I pull back, I act weird, an example is a guy didn't reply for two days so I unfollowed him slash removed him as a follower on Instagram. My reaction then confuses the guy and then he actually does pull back which reinforces my original belief that he isn't into it and then I pull back until the whole thing falls apart. I can't tell you how many times this has happened in my relationships and sometimes in hindsight I can see the guy genuinely wasn't into me but more often than not I'm left in this awful mental quagmire, great word by the way, where I don't know whether they were into me or I just ruined it with my extreme behaviour. How can I stop doing this? How can I sit in the gray zone, i.e. be chill, just see how, how it goes with someone like everyone else seems to be able to do? How can I lean into that rather than bolt? Any advice you have would be so appreciated. I'm exhausted from trying to solve this one. Sending you loads of good vibes from the UK. Great question, great email. Thank you so much for sending that through. Okay, firstly, phenomenal of, with your self-awareness. You have very very good self-awareness, so you need to give yourself credit for that. That is fantastic. A lot of people don't have that self-awareness and they go through this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy of, you know, I fear something, I push them away, and then they do exactly what I feared and then I'm like, "See, you've just reinforced my belief." But you're already aware that you're doing that. So believe it or not, you're actually already a step ahead of where you potentially could be with with the behavior that you're displaying. Now, one thing that's really important to do is, you know, you also have great awareness in the fact that you're aware that some guys genuinely didn't like you and you could see that. But then there's other guys that you're like, "Mm, I reckon I've I've cooked this (laughs) because they probably actually liked me in hindsight, looking at their behavior. So one thing that it's really important to do is to use the timeout method for yourself. So impulsive behaviors, like unfollowing someone. Those are the the behaviors that you need to be. It's not saying don't ever do them because then you feel like you're trying to control yourself and it's this impulse that you have. It's saying just wait until the next morning. It's also really important to go through a list of possibilities because you have your initial reaction and then there's all these other possibilities that are underlying that initial reaction. You also have to think that People operate differently to how you operate. So when someone displays a behavior that you would never do, especially for someone who's anxious avoidant attachment style, when someone displays a behavior that someone with anxious avoidant attachment style would never do, you instantly think, oh, they hate me, they're, that's rude, they're fucked, they're trying to whatever, because you've got it in your head that everyone thinks the same way. All, most of us have it in our head. Whether you've got anxious attachment style or not, it, we, our default is to think that people are going to react or behave the same way that we will. And sometimes it takes a pause and think, wait a minute, how they perceive a situation or how they behave in a situation is not how I would. We all see something from a different angle. So when someone takes two days to reply – You might think, that is fucking rude. They're not into me. How dare they? Are they trying to play me? What games are they – like, what are they on? Then you're going to pull back instantly and think, no, 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 no. Fuck this. Fuck this. Wall goes up. How dare you disrespect me? So I'm going to cut you out of my life. But someone from another angle – and I'm talking like if you're genuinely dating someone and they don't text you for two days, that's a fucking weird flex and I would hit them up for that. But if it's early, early stages – you might, given that you're anxious avoidant, you might be giving away way less than you realize. So someone who's into you might think, mm, I like this person, but they're giving me not much. So I'm just also going to just pull back a little bit so I'm not too intense to match their energy. Okay, because avoidant attached is like fucking stay at a distance. Can't. Okay, so you unknowingly are probably keeping these people at arm's length. So they're trying to respond to your behavior. They're thinking they're keeping me cool. So maybe I should do the same thing to not freak them out. So then they wait two days to reply. And then you're like, fuck that. And you cut them out. And they're like, what? What the fuck? just happened they're very confused so you have to think how i perceive a situation and how i would react to a situation is not how other people would whether it's right or wrong irrelevant we all approach things differently so you've got to think when someone doesn't message me for 2 days as an example there's a big chance that they're just trying to give me space or maybe they're just trying to play it a little bit cooler cuz they didn't want to come off too intense they you know they're just trying to you know meet me in the middle here. So if I were you, if you don't wanna be the one reaching out to them, absolutely you don't have to, but just wait. And maybe instead of two days, wait three, or maybe think, have they been the one initiating every conversation? Is it worth me? If someone's initiated the conversation every time, you need to initiate the conversation at least once for them to be like, okay, they're biting. Because sometimes you can look at how how the chat has gone back and forth and sometimes you'll realise, wait a minute, I have made them initiate every single time. And sometimes people will look at that and be like, okay, I've initiated a conversation 10 times in a row. I'm just going to leave it and see if they initiate. And then when they never initiate, they think, well, they're just not interested. Because it's that whole thing of like, if they really wanted to, they would, you know. And sometimes people will think that with you. So if you're not messaging them at all or ever initiating. They're going to be like, I'll just fucking leave it because I don't want to be a pest in her life. And then that's when you block them. So that's, I would just remind myself of all these things to help you be a little bit calmer when, when these things happen, okay? You have to understand two things. How often are they initiating? Because you're going to have to push through the, um, the discomfort and initiate a, a, a chat every now and then. Also think, are they just responding to my energy because I'm not giving much so then they're purposely pulling back to give less because they don't want to come across too intensely. And then is there any other way I could read this other than the fact that I think they've just bailed on me? Because more often than not, there is going to be another way that you can read it. And that other way is just something as simple as they're just taking their time, you know. If I were you also – When that happens, that is your cue to send them one message. If they then ignore the message, fucking do whatever you want, whatever, you don't have to talk to them again because when you reach out and someone's ignored you, then that's when it's a bit, you know, weird. Hopefully that has helped you. I know I haven't given you an exact thing to do, but it's all about putting yourself into a different mindset before you take action on something. Always pause, give yourself a time out and ask yourself all these questions before you take action on that thing. Hopefully that was helpful. All right, we got one more, maybe two more. Question, how do you tell someone that you feel like you've outgrown them without sounding like a cunt? Great use of language there. Someone I deeply love who I really don't want to say goodbye to just isn't growing slash bettering themselves after continuously saying they wish to. Their actions don't match their words. How do I address this without making it all about them slash slamming them? How would you word this in a way that centers myself in the conversation? Okay. This is a tricky one because I don't exactly know where this person stands in your life. If you're in a romantic relationship with this person, then, and you absolutely, you're like, nah, I absolutely need to say that I've outgrown them. It's not working. Then that's something that you're just going to have to be, you know, forward with. But I get the vibe that this is not a romantic relationship. I get the feeling that this is more so a friendship situation. You also say that you really don't want to say goodbye to them. If that's the case and you genuinely don't want to say goodbye to them, which I feel is the case because you wrote it, you don't have to say goodbye to them, but you can shift what role they play as a friend in your life. Sometimes good friends go from a good friend to being a peripheral friend and that's not the worst thing in the world. I've had some very close friends in my life that just through life, we've drifted for many different reasons, but it doesn't mean that I've wanted to completely eliminate them from my life. Has this person done enough for you to cut them out of your life? And maybe the answer is yes. Maybe there's enough that pisses you off about them. You can't stand being around them. But again, I doubt it because you said you deeply love who you don't want to say goodbye to. Now, if it's a friend Sometimes the conversation doesn't necessarily have to be had in that way. Sometimes it can be done by gently pulling away from the relationship. And then you can even say, I feel like I'm evolving in a different way to where our friendship used to be. So I'm trying out hanging with these people. I'm trying out all these new things because I feel like I need to like explore these ways that I'm evolving in. So it's more – you're not saying – I've leveled up and you haven't, you're saying I'm evolving in this direction. You're not saying I'm better than you, you're staying behind. You're kind of saying I'm heading in this way. If it is a romantic relationship, then what you need to tell your partner is that in order for, the re- for relationships to survive, they have to go through many evolutions together. So you don't, you're not the exact same person who you were when you are 20, Versus 30 versus 60. You, you, the essence of you is probably the same in many situations, but there's many things about you and your desires and your personality and your likes and dislikes and what fuels you that is going to evolve many times over throughout your life. A lot of relationships – cannot handle those evolutions because you're evolving in different ways and that is why often relationships break down or that is why you see couples together in their 50s or 60s who can't stand each other yet they're stupidly lived together. I'm like, just fucking break up and live your best life. What are you doing? But they're just like ingrained that you just stay with your partner and they're just miserable forever because they've evolved away from each other yet they're just forcing themselves to be together. So if if this is your partner – Then I would talk about how you have evolved away from your partner versus from when you started seeing, from when you started dating, and you're a completely different person, and you feel that the relationship isn't serving you this new version, this evolved version, how you've grown, and you feel like you've grown away from the relationship, and that you feel that unless you can grow together, that it's not going to work. And that way it's not a stab at your partner. You're not saying you're not doing this. I expect you to do that. And, and there's no expectation either on your partner forcing them to do what you're going to do. But you're saying, I've done all these things that I've said I was going to do. I said I was going to do them and I followed through and did them. And now I find myself growing out of the relationship in a separate direction. Do you feel Or or even if if you don't want it to to be mended, if you're like, I'm trying to break up with this person, then you can say, these are the reasons why I can no longer be in this relationship. So that's – I've kind of tackled friendship versus romantic and hopefully that gives, you know – that helped a little bit but it ultimately comes down to the fact that everyone is entitled to evolve at the rate that they want to evolve at and due to that some relationships will last the test of time and other relationships will not and other relationships will just change the dynamic of that relationship will change but you don't have to make you don't have to make yourself smaller to stay at the rate of someone else's growth you are entitled to grow at the rate that you want to grow but with that comes difficult conversations and comes some difficult decisions in your life as well. All right. One more. One more. Okay. This one I absolutely had to get to. It's, it's a bit longer, but it's, I feel like a lot of people are, have been in a situation, not specifically to this, but the feeling of this. Hi, Alexis. Thanks for all the hope, strength and ropes out of the ditches that you offer everyone. That is very cool. Thank you. I've been a listener from day one and obviously love your endless words of wisdom. I'm desperate for a voice in my ear. I have a situation that has been a hush-hush for nearly four years and now the wheels have fallen off. I don't have anyone to tell me it will be okay. I met, a guy nearly, I met a guy at work nearly four years ago and instantly we became extremely close. We connect on every level. He is my best friend and we have had an incredible sexual relationship since the beginning. We were both fresh out of marriages, so I think the added support for each other really deepened our connection. We knew from the beginning we could never be in a proper relationship as I'm a bit older and already have older kids and he has no kids and absolutely wants some. I can't have any more kids and I'm very excited to finally focus on building a career too. We didn't label our situation. We never told anyone we were seeing each other romantically as we assumed it would just last a few months until one or both of us found someone else. But we agreed we'd be exclusive until we found that someone else because we loved each other's com- companionship. So it's basically been like a proper committed relationship just in secret. We've laughed and cried many times over the years over the fact that the day would eventually come when he, especially given he wants kids, would stop this secret relationship. Every day for all these years he's been the first to say hello and the last to say goodnight to every single day and 100 messages in between. He really is my best friend in the world. We've shared everything together and other than the obvious, Because we are a secret and wanting kids. There's never been any problems. Fast forward nearly four years and we still had a solid, strong friendship that got better every day. Contact, contact, holidays and the amazing sexual relationship. I love him so, so, so hard and he knows it. A few days ago, he told me he signed up to Bumble and took a spontaneous trip away with a girl he met the day prior and enjoys her company. I'm happy that he's trying to find his forever person. I knew we weren't permanent and it lasted way longer than we thought, but I feel like I've been hit by a truck and I'm absolutely fucked like I have internally died. The time has come and so out of the blue. He's hung up the boots on our situation ship and I respect that, but how the fuck do I get out of bed? My kids don't understand why I'm crying and I couldn't hide it and I can't stop. I don't have friends and family to debrief because no one knew of our relationship. I can't focus enough to work, so took sick leave. I can't study and deferred my exams. I can't eat. I can't sleep. I don't have the luxury of sleeping this off. I have so much to do and my kids need me up and smiling. But I've lost the person I love so much, probably just lost my best friend too, because how can we even simply downgrade to friends? I will still see him at work every day because our colleagues don't know. I have to fake my usual persona. I can't quit for at least six months, or I would. I'm obsessing and fixating on him every second of the day like a psycho. I am so tired, but I can't stop. Please help me snap out of this. I literally feel like I have died, even though I have so many other things in my life that do make me happy. How do I see this man at work and act normal? How do I let go when nothing bad happened to turn me off him? How do I turn off this intense, almost rage feeling at the thought of him with another woman? I've re-listened to heartbreak hacks, overcoming jealousy, moving the F on, tried a short walk and tried going to the shops, but walked in and within 10 minutes walked out because I felt almost physically in pain and so irritated. I wanted to scream and cry. Please throw me some words of wisdom. Thank you, Alexis. Fuck, babe. Honestly, you are going through a world of pain right now. And I feel like Yeah, I feel like a lot of us have been in a position like that of just intense heartache when the person hasn't done anything specifically wrong. So it's just pain. You can't lean on anger. (laughs) You can't lean on, on, you know, something that they did to wrong you. So you can be like, you know, that thing. It's just horrible. And it almost feels like, you know, you've just been in on this together, just the two of you. And it kind of feels in a way like you've been abandoned when you haven't, you know, it's not an... Active thing that is done, but you feel very alone. One thing I am going to highlight is that you've got to remember that this situation for you was so much more intense and probably so much more exciting and gave you so much more adrenaline because it was a secret. Because the two of you were in your own bubble, it made it so much more untouchable. No one could enter, no one could exit, no one could infiltrate this this thing because it was a secret and if this relationship had been in out in public and whatever it would have been I'm not going to say easier because that's not necessarily the case but there would have been so many more good and bad things that would happen that could help you lean on because I always say when someone breaks up try and think of you know five things that annoy you about that person to like get you out of bed at least you know and, and not be crying and With my ex, every time I'd think of something good, I'd then cancel it out with three bad things so I'd start feeling a bit more level-headed. But when you're in a bubble, when there's no interaction with the outside world but the two of you, it's really hard to think about the negative things because you're not seeing them interact as your partner with, you know, you and their friends, them and your friends. You're not living together. There's not these like daily things that might annoy you. There's so much that – and also because it was a situationship technically, there's no – jealousy or possessiveness or any of that. So you really were living in a bubble. And that is one of the reasons why your pain is so, so extreme because A, it was this perfect untouchable bubble and B, you are isolated. Nobody saw that. So for you to turn to your family and tell them, they're going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Since when? Okay. So you feel like, oh, my God, I can't tell anyone. Firstly, you can tell your family and your friends. They're going to be shooketh when they first hear about it, but you can tell them. Or oh, pick one friend, someone to confide in. You telling this to just one other person and shocking them and getting, letting them go through the shock and telling them will be so helpful because one of the things that really helps when when going through a breakup is just fucking telling that story. And it gets to a point where you repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and then you get to a point where you're like, ah, oh, I'm sick of hearing my own story. And then you're able to take the next step and the next step and the next step. But you kind of sometimes have to just, in the initial stages, is just talk about it and, and just get it out of your head. It's like the same thing as when you're stressing about something and when you write it down on paper, you've at least put it from head to paper and you're able to just breathe for a bit. So you've, you, the two of you have completely isolated yourselves from everything and everyone, and so you're very alone right now in this situation that you're going through. What, another thing I would recommend is I would reach out to him and say, firstly, ask him in an ideal world, what would his ideal outcome be? Would he rather not have you as a friend at all? You know, because some people just don't want to have the – past flames as friends in their new relationships? That's, you know, their personal business. Or would he want you as a friend in the future? And regardless, let's say he says, if he says nothing at all, then it is what it is. If he says that he wants you as a friend, then I would still recommend that you go through a period of time, however long that period needs to be, where you are just polite and civil to each other. If you keep him in your life as a friend when you crave him the most, then it's going to be very, very, very difficult for you to ever move on from him, as in move on and just be single and be thriving or move on and find someone else and be happy with that other person because when he's in your life as a friend, it's going to be very hard when you still have intense feelings for him to have that divide of a friend versus your love the love of your life or you know your your lover. So that there needs to be a lot of distance placed in between and you can't avoid seeing him at work at least for the next 6 months so that's something that you're just going to have to put up with. So I would reach out to him and say you're going to have to help me with this. This is really difficult for me because I care about you and I love you, but in order for me to move past this and hopefully if we both want have a friendship in the future, I need to have like a a complete like no contact outside of work period where I can completely heal on my own. Now I don't know how old your children are so this may or may not be appropriate um, advice depending on the age of your children but if your children have seen you crying you don't have to tell them everything that happened but it's okay to say that you know one of a, a, a friend that you had really close is no longer your friend and you miss them. You had you know, something occurred. You know, like it's okay to – it's okay for children to see their parents upset and processing something. And sometimes if kids see their parents cry but they don't know why their parents are crying, it's almost – it might freak them out more so than if you just said, look – like you don't have to tell them you had this love affair. That's fine. You can just say, you know, I had a really, really good friendship and we've – you know, my friend has had to leave or – They're no longer in my life anymore, so I miss them. So sometimes I get sad and I, you know, but again, I don't know the age of your children, so they may or may not need, that conversation may or may may not need to go down. I don't know why you have to stay at work for the next six months, but if you're finding that nothing is changing, then after six months, I would leave, I would remove myself um, if possible. If this is like an epic career for you and it's not appropriate for you to leave because you need to, then of course don't. But if it's fine for you to go and you've noticed that, Nothing's changing, then I would leave. And I would also look at ways of changing your life and the things that you do and the routines that you have as much as possible, because you almost want to create a divide between, you know, the life that you had when that person was there versus your new life. And the more new things you have in that life, the more of a thing in the past that that person feels like. So for example, where you normally would get your morning coffee. Go somewhere different, shake it up. What do you normally do in your mornings? Change that routine. What does your nighttime routine look like? What are places that you go with your kids? Start going to new places, doing new things. Start rewriting, like get, start laying down a crazy amount of brand new memories in brand new places and brand new routines and activities and things to do that, that will start to fill up your memory bank between now and him. And he's going to start feeling more and more and and your engagement with him and conversations with him and that love that you had for him starts to feel like it's more in the past and it's more you can start to deal with the pain and start to heal. Because while you're in this situation where you are seeing him all the time, talking to him all the time, there's a big chance that you're going to be holding on to this like – I know it's over, but how do I deal with the fact that it's over? And then, blah, 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 blah. and then you're just going to be going round and round and round and round like a hamster on a wheel, and you're going to see no end in sight because it feels like every day is Groundhog Day. You need to change up things that you're doing in your day and create new, new, new things to get excited about. Okay. Um, the first few days I'm going to obviously hit you so hard. So I think it's fine that you took sick leave. You know, you've got to, it's important to have those days to process, really start to grieve that relationship because it's done all of that. So I think it's, you know, actually good if you have the ability to take the leave to do so. You've deferred your exams. Study, it's a hard one because... If there was a bit more time between the breakup and study, I would recommend you study something. But when it's right here, right now, and the pain is so intense, it definitely gets in the way. So I also don't think that's a bad idea that you deferred your exams. But my main thing is that it's just one day at a time. Don't look at his social media. Remove him as a follower if you are on social media. Just for the And, and even say to him, I've had to do this for now. This is not what I want for the, for the extended future, but for now – I need to take care of myself as you are taking care of yourself. So you're doing what you need to do, and I respect that, but please respect that I need to do what's in my best interest. And right now, it is not checking up on you, it is not contacting you, it is not having a friendship outside of work, it is keeping you at a healthy distance so I can heal. Okay. And if he's as much of a legend as he says, as you say that he is, he will respect those boundaries. He will respect them very much so. Okay. I really hate that you're going through this and it's there's n- there's no easy way around it especially if you're doing it the right way which is you know making yourself the the reason for your own happiness again so just one day at a time one fucking day at a time you know, do all the things I told you to do, you know, new activities, new experiences, but you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. And when you have a bad day, you have not taken a step back. A bad day is part of the process and it's part of moving forward. When you have a bad day, do not be hard on yourself. It is part of the journey. Okay. Love you so much. You will get through this. I can tell you, you will get through this. It's just a matter of time. All right, that is all for today, guys. Thank you so much for writing in. I, you know, I read your questions and i laugh with you i cry with you um like you just i get teary i go through the whole wave of emotions that you guys do so i really appreciate you sending me the stories it's a really good way of because i feel like you guys know so much about me and for me to have your stories it's a really good way for me to learn a lot about you guys and my beans and my audience and it like strengthens our bond as a community so i really do appreciate you guys being vulnerable and sending through your stories That is all for today. I hope you enjoyed. And as always, remember, be kind to yourself. Be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.